the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Yes, the Word of God kind of closes our mouth and opens our eyes to who we really are and that's what james goes after he goes down the practical side of christianity yes the word of god will pierce us at times to the very core of our souls and it's the holy spirit of god that personalizes that word to the exact place that it needs to reach us inside It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our own sin. He's the one that drives us to that place of repentance. Oh, it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to hell in a handbasket. I need Christ in my heart as my Savior. But that's the Word of God that does that. Not any man, not any smooth preacher. I mean, obviously, some orators are better than others, but it's the Word of God is what packs the power. Jesus said, people are not going to hate you because of you. They're going to hate you because of me in you. That's what they're going to hate. And so people, I've had people in our foyer chew me out multiple times at the door. It's like, I don't agree with what you said. That's not my perspective. Well, what part are you talking about? And they'll tell me, I go, well, listen, just understand that you're not disagreeing with me. I'm just a delivery boy. I'm just the one that's given the message here. I'm not the author of the book. The problem in the person that you have a problem with is God himself. So just know he's the one that you have a problem with. The Word of God never changes. It's like technology changes, fashions change, but the Word of God never changes in the heart of the soul of men and women. That will never change. So it's like, no, you can't change. It doesn't matter what 21st century does. It doesn't matter. There is a great responsibility to those that teach the Word of God. And as a leader, we must be equipped to not only teach, but to counsel and to lead That's part of the calling, and it's a part of the calling for every believer. So when someone comes up and asks you as a believer, well, what do you think about this? It doesn't matter what you think. What does God's word say? This is what counseling is. You ready for what counseling is? Anyone that comes in here for counseling, anyone that asks one of the pastors a question or one of our deacons or elders, it's like, well, you know, I'm going through this situation. We always apply the word of God to whatever that situation might be. We always apply the word. What the Bible says here, what the Bible says here, it says, that's what we do. We do not have a secular world vision here or ideology. We have a biblical world vision, a biblical ideology here. This is what the Bible says. Well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I like that. Well, 
That's what the Bible says to do. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, that's a choice you have to make. But that's what the Bible says, and this is what God would have you to do. Which brings up our main topic of this message is taming and controlling the tongue. Let's read as he picks up here in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Boy, that's, that's an understatement, right? We all mess up at times. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a perfect woman, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into a horse's mouth, because obviously we're not perfect, right? So now he's given an example. If we put bits into a horse's mouth, right? That's how we steer a horse, right? It's in their mouth. It's uncomfortable. We want them to go this way. The horse goes that way. It's like uh, that that he may obey us. Uh, We direct their entire body as well. So we got a, what, 1,200-pound horse? He's obeying us because we got a bit in his mouth. Okay, verse 4. Behold, ships also though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. The rudder is a very small part of the ship, but it steers the ship wherever the inclination of the pilot or the ship's captain goes. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a very small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Behold how a great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Wow, that's the last description you think you'd hear about your tongue, but it's true. Verse 7, for every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Yes, we've tamed lions and elephants to do whatever we want. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord. Oh, praise Jesus. And with it, we curse other men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh water and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. It's like, how can this be? How can I have the same mouth blessings and come to church on Sunday and worship the Lord and then on Monday you're cursing out some guy at work? But notice how he starts off in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Why? Because we all have a sin nature inside. It's within each and every one of us to do wrong. Oh, we can do good and, and we desire to do good, right? We're Christians. We want to live good. But it's like it's still in us to do wrong things. Many will say today, I'm a good person. Yes, maybe occasionally I'll mess up, but they say no one's perfect. That's right. There is nobody perfect. Yet, except for Jesus was, obviously. Yet consider God's perspective of us. God says that we have all sinned. He doesn't say you're all good, and yet you have a little boo-boo here and there. He just says, no, you're all sinners. You're all sinners. Know this. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Does that make sense? 
See, it's like we think we're sinners because I, I sinned here or sinned there. No, 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 no. We sin because we're just born sinners. That's why we sin. Proverbs 20, verse 9 asks a question. He says, who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin? Nobody. It's like nobody can say, I live a perfect life. Nobody can say it because no one can. The Bible does not mix words concerning our sin. He just bluntly says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But James goes on in verse 2, and he says, Now, if you do not stumble, then you're perfect, right? Of course, no one's perfect. We already know no one's perfect. That's why we all need a Savior. That's why Jesus came in the first place, for one reason, and that was to die for the sin of all humanity. And every person must come to him in that same way. We must admit and we must confess to God that yes, we have sinned and we must ask him for his forgiveness. And his promise to all that have come to him is this, that he will never turn us away. Isn't that a great thing? It's like, it's a great thing to know as a Christian and it's a great thing to tell other people, right? I mean, think about it. Man, I don't care how depressed there is someone that you work with, how depressed they are, how messed up they are, how just rude they are, how crude they are, how nasty, socially unacceptable they are. It's like God would never turn that person away. So you can go and speak to the hardest, most callous person at your work or your neighbor, the person you just like to nuke, okay, whatever. It's like you can go to them and know that, you know what, if they want to get right with God, God will not turn them away. It's just a great thing to know for each and every one of us. But now as we continue in this text here, we are immediately confronted with an area that we have all fallen to, every single one of us, and that is allowing our tongue to get us in trouble. How many times have we said something and it got us in trouble? How many have had some, you know, someone say false things about you? How many people have had fake news given about you. I mean, we all have, right? I mean, every one of us. I mean, people have talked trash about us and what have you. It just happens, okay? Maybe people have said really, really mean and cruel things to you. Has that ever happened to you? Of course it has. People have said things about us that are not true. Things have, People have been hateful towards us. I mean, we live in L.A. You can't even drive on the road without people you know, giving you something, okay? Yes, we all have. Now, Let me ask you, though, being honest, how many of you have said something false about someone else? How many of you have said something mean to somebody? How many of you have said something cruel to somebody else? We all have. If we're honest, we all have. We've all done it. But this is an area that when it's getting, you know, when we're throwing someone under the bus, uh, it's like we feel justified in it. But when someone's throwing us under the bus, we want to cry foul immediately. We want justice. You know, we want the other person to pay for what they did to us. We want them to drop down on their knees and apologize to us for offending us and not respecting us. Yet, when we're caught in the half-truth that hurts somebody else, You know, when we're 
told a secret, like, hey, I've got to tell you something, but man, you can't tell anybody. Oh, you, your secret's locked here, man. I won't say a word. And then you hear, really? Then you go tell five people, hey, you, know, you can't say anything, but, you know, I, I heard this, you know. And we share it with others. Then it comes back to us. Oh, and then we're busted because we told, we did something that was wrong. We said something that was wrong. And then what do we want? Man, I'm sorry, bro. You're right, man. I'm, I'm so sorry. We want grace and mercy. See, when someone does it to us, we want judgment on them. When we get caught doing it, we want grace and mercy. See, the tongue, like it says in verse 3 and 4, it's small, but it can cause a huge amount of damage. How many times have you said something to someone really close to you, maybe as a spouse, maybe as one of your children, maybe as a real close loved one, and you said something in the heat of the battle, and boy, you just wish you could pull that back. And some of you that have been married for a long time, it might come back on you 10 years, 20. Well, you told me, da, 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 da. You know, it's like it, it might come back on you many times, okay? But, uh, but you say something in the, in the heat of the moment, and you didn't really mean it, but you, you, you were just being cruel, and you wanted to hurt the other person. It goes on to say how the tongue can boast of great things. And finally, it says in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Wow. And it defiles the entire body. Yes, it can. That's some harsh and brutal language that the Bible has to say about our tongues. Okay, so man, God's given it to us with both barrels right here. It's likened to a fire. And that's how God likens our tongues. It doesn't take much But like a fire, it only needs one spark to burn down thousands of acres. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. This is what made Isaiah the prophet fall on his face in the Old Testament. You remember Isaiah? You know, Isaiah in the first five chapters, nine times he says, woe is you. Woe is Jesus, you know, woe to you partiers, you know, woe to you that do this. I mean, he's just on the flaming path of woe to everyone. He had the finger pointing out, and that word woe means grief, sorrow, and misery. So he's like, grief, sorrow, and misery, and all you bunch of sinners, man. He was just going to town. Then, in chapter 6, he got a little glimpse into heaven, and he saw a little piece of God. And what did Isaiah, Mr. the prophet of woe, do? He fell on the ground, his face on the ground, not even wanting to look up. And he said, woe is me. Grief, sorrow, and misery on me. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Like all of a sudden, all of our hypocrisy, everything, as soon as God shines in on us, then we see ourselves as we really are. All Isaiah could say was, woe is me. Wow. Yes, we can boast. We can exaggerate great things with our tongue. We can tell stories where we are always the hero in the end. We put ourselves, you know, in a place of superiority. We pat ourselves on the back. We pour out our own good deeds. You know, we can lash out of those around us. 
We can help spread gossip that brings shame on those around us. We can be guilty of flattery that is only self-serving in the church. We can say nothing to those around us, only to criticize them behind their back. It's kind of like when you try to flatter somebody to better yourself. You know, oh yeah, you're so wonderful because maybe you want a job promotion. Then you, you talk about them behind their back, all out of the same tongue, all to make ourselves look better. What do we do with this tongue here? What do we do with it? Well, we think before we speak. Think before we speak. In fact, there's a great acronym for think. T-H-I-N-K. Let's take an acronym for each one of those letters for think. You have to ask yourself before you say something. Think. T. Is it true? Is it true? Just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Christianity is not the National Enquirer, okay? I hear things about people all the time. Oh, did you know so-and-so in the church? Did you know this? Did you? I'm like, uh, I, I don't know that. How do I know that's true? Just because you tell me this? Oh, you know, I'd really watch out for that one. Watch out for who? Oh, that one over there. It's like, why? Well, did you know? Uh, well, how do I know that's true? Or maybe it is true, but maybe that was their past, and now they're a new believer in Christ. And so you have to be very careful. T for think. Is it true? H, does it help? Is anything that I'm going to say now, does it help? Is it going to help this person or is it going to hurt the person? So think about what you say. Is it going to help or is it going to hurt? If it's going to hurt, then don't say it. If you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything. You you don't have to say something. Think, T-H-I. Is it inspiring? Will this encourage and uplift that person? Is it inspiring? In of think, is it necessary? Is it necessary that you say something right now? Do I need to be part of this conversation? Why are we even talking about it in the first place? And K, is it kind? Is it kind? Or is it backstabbing? You know, are you throwing them under the bus conversation? So we have to think about who we're talking about. I mean, what a drag that Christians help encourage gossip that hurt other people. And if it is true, why are we, why are we pushing it along? Shouldn't we be praying for them? Remember these three things about our own tongues. Number one, the tongue will spread evil. Number two, the tongue is impossible to tame. Some of you might be thinking, well, if the tongue cannot be tamed, how in the world am I going to stay out of judgment on this? Think before you speak. It was King David that said this in Psalm 141.3. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Like, Lord, help me shut up. And I've prayed that before. I've actually prayed that. And there's been times that I've been sitting with other pastors and the Lord will just like, hey, you don't want to talk about this right now. Just remember, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. And sometimes if you have a temper and you say things and you get in a fight with your spouse and your mouth just wants to run off, you know, it's a good time for you to go take the dog for a walk. I'm going to take this. You're looking at your spouse. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. Okay, that's it. And that's the best thing you could do because you know you love your spouse. It's like, why, why hurt them in the battle? You know, we're just so vindictive. We want to, you know, we all, oh, yeah, we'll take this. And then afterwards, you're like, 
uh, it's just so hard to pull those words back. Walk the dog. So how should we speak as Christians? We're given some insight here in Colossians 4, 6. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it was with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Notice our speech is to be gracious. That means our speech should be sensitive. Our speech should be kind. Our speech should be gentle, loving, and our speech should be truthful. He wants us to be where people can see Christ in us. It's not where you just walk around with a billboard, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, people should see it. Jesus said he's the light of the world. People should stop seeing less of us and seeing more of him coming out of us. And part of that is by doing this. And then he goes on and he says, it should be seasoned with grace and seasoned with salt. Salt? What does that mean? Okay, I get the grace part. What does the salt mean? Well, three things about salt. Number one, salt is used to flavor things. Our speech, especially to unbelievers, should not be dull. Our speech should not be boring, especially when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus. Some Christians sound like they were baptized in lemon juice. Hello, remember, God lives in us. He set us free. We are forgiven of our past sins. You know, listen, if you're a Christian, can you just be happy? Like we live in this world, right, that is going to hell in a handbasket. But you are going to heaven. Your sins have been forgiven. It's like, don't walk like the world walks. Don't walk in fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Be who God desires you to be. Be happy. When you walk in on tomorrow, on Monday morning, like, look, nobody wants to go to work after they've been off the weekend, okay? It's like, we're like everyone else, but can you just have in your mind, the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Man, let people see Jesus in you. If you're a Christian, don't walk around like Mopey Joe or Josephine, whichever one fits. Man, be happy. It's like, this is the day the Lord has made and make the most of it. Number two, talking about salt. In the ancient world, salt was used as a preservative. It was used to purify and to make clean. Our speech should be like that of salt. It should lift up. It should encourage others to turn from a life of sin and become more like Christ. And yet, there's still even a deeper meaning of salt. Number three, in the Old Testament, it says in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, it says in Numbers 18, 19, an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord. What in the world does that mean? Salt does not burn. And when the priest seasoned the offerings with salt, the offering would burn up, but not the salt, proving that God's covenant with us is everlasting. It will never end. God even spoke of this when he established David as the king of Israel. Second Chronicles 13, 5, it says, The Lord God gave the rule of Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt. David died, but the covenant went on as salt would. Yes, our words are to be filled with grace, seasoned with salt. Which brings up our final point, obey with wisdom. Verse 13, 
Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above. That wisdom is earthly, natural, demonic it is. That's earthly wisdom. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in everything. That's what we see. Isn't it the wisdom of man that's running our government? Isn't it the wisdom of man that's fighting COVID? Science is going to get it, right? What is it? It's completely in disorder. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that's from God is first pure. Then it's peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.